Wednesday morning, and it's time for Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. Each week, David Grising, President and CEO of the BGA, joins us to break down some of the things happening under the State House Dome. And of course, David, we have had a lot of information to digest in a very short period of time with that late Friday night drop of new legislative district maps from uh, Democrats in the General Assembly. Yesterday afternoon, new Supreme Court maps as well. We haven't seen congressional maps yet. And of course, most of the analysis up to this point has been uh, Democrats saying, hey, these maps are great. They protect uh, communities of color and communities of interest. They're fair. They recognize the diversity of the state. Republicans say this is just a uh, a secret uh, plan by Democrats. They would cook this all up behind closed doors, and it's just for their partisan gain. So, David, help uh, break it down for us from uh, not the partisan perspective, but more of a, an analytical view of these maps. What uh, What can you glean from them? Well, you mentioned communities of color, and um, that's sort of the big uh, issue that people are trying to dig down on. There, there's a lot of dispute and uh, not nearly enough detailed information about the impact that the new legislative maps, The uh, so far as you pointed out, we have them for the, leg- the Illinois legislature, not yet for the uh, congressional districts. Uh, there, there's a lot of d- debate about what the impact would be. We even, we even had uh, House uh, Minority Leader Jim Durkin make an accusation that um, uh, minorities will be underrepresented, uh, uh, but but he didn't have any data with which to back up that claim. And, and there have been other experts who have said, no, not really the case. Uh, you mentioned the Supreme Court fight in passing. This is the first time in 60 years that there's been an effort to redis- uh, redraw the, the boundaries for the Supreme Court districts, and that's after the uh, loss of uh, uh, Justice Thomas Kilbride, um, who uh, was came under criticism for some of his rulings, and uh, the anti-Kilbride campaign was funded in large measure by Ken Griffin, the uh, richest person in Illinois, the person who funded the opposition to Governor Pritzker's graduated income tax. Uh, there's an effort now to cement the Democratic majority on the Illinois Supreme Court, because if the districts stay as drawn, there's a belief that we might actually have a Republican majority on the court for the first time in many years. And obviously, the Democrats are trying to put an end to that. Everybody talks about bipartisanship with maps. Uh, None of that is serious. This is bare-knuckled political infighting between two political parties trying to gain advantage. And no matter what the dog and pony shows are with regard to public input and and all that, uh, it really bears down to trying to uh, gain partisan advantage. And you need to look no further than the fact that in so many districts, I believe at least eight House districts, uh, two Republican incumbents at least were drawn into the same district together in direct competition with each other. David, what's perplexing about this, though, is because of the census delays uh, from last year, because of the pandemic and various legal battles, we don't have official census data yet. Democrats have pressed ahead using the American Community Survey numbers, which are less precise. They're more of a sample rather than a full census count, and they had to know that was inevitably going to lead to uh, tremendous legal challenges, lawsuits, uh, which makes this all very unpredictable. And so you you wonder why they didn't just stick with what they were saying, uh, Chris Welch back in 2016, J.B. Pritzker back in 2018, to say, let's make this a truly independent process, because it certainly seems like a roll of the dice to use that incomplete data uh, and then just hope that it pans out for you. 
Right. Uh, Governor Pritzker, as a candidate, backed the idea of an independent commission, which is something that the Better Government Association and other good government groups uh, have put forward as as a better way to do this redistricting. I guess the short answer, Jim, is once they're in office, things look a lot different to them. And the idea of partisan advantage is something that uh, they really, uh, really uh, don't want to let go of. Um, the other thing about using the data for the from you know the census delay is causing them to use data that, that's less precise than the actual census numbers will be. The feeling is yes, there will be court challenges, but this is better than taking the risk of having this go to uh, a, a commission that likely would de- a legislative commission that likely would deadlock and then lead to the coin flip at the end of the process in which either a Republican or a Democrat majority would would control the redistricting. So the Democrats have made the bet that they can win in these court fights. Uh, The numbers are really, uh, you know, seemingly infinitesimal, 0.3% difference based on one study between the American Community Survey and the actual census count. But as the uh, opponents of moving forward uh, point out, that's about 42,000 votes, which is the size of, say, Oak Park, Buffalo Grove, Quincy, or Rock Island. Those are substantial numbers when we're talking about uh, the the finite number of changes that can make the difference between who has an advantage in a district and who does not. And so this will end up in court. Uh, uh, and because of the primary schedule in Illinois, it may not affect primary elections this time around, but it certainly will fought out in court after the the, uh, the lines finally are adopted. David, I don't know uh, in your experience, but at least in mine, for all the talk from both sides about how vitally important this is and what a big deal it is, how these maps are drawn, most people aren't really focused on this, it seems. It just doesn't seem like that big a deal to them. I know the BGA has put together uh, a, a possible map, what it could look like if it were actually drawn independently with a, an eye toward uh, voters' interests rather than politicians' interests. So so can you help, I, I guess, uh, explain it in sort of layman's terms as to why this is important, why it makes a difference, whether we have maps that are drawn uh, more independently versus from a partisan basis? Well, uh, you and I are old enough to remember back when the Illinois legislature uh, had a a near balance of of party uh, representation in the legislature. Uh, Today, we're in a situation where um, in in the the legislature, the House, uh, the Democratic advantage is 73 to 45. In the Senate, it's 41 to 18. The Democrats dominate that, and that's not just because their ideas are more popular with more residents of Illinois, although that evidently is the case. It also means that there are lines that are drawn that um, in which there's there's really no competition. Uh, a couple of a couple of elections ago, more than half of the districts that that we elected in the, in the legislature had no competition whatsoever. And really, the maps are drawn to protect incumbency. So if you absolutely uh, love your state representative or state senator, uh, that's okay. But if you have questions about that person's part of, you know, political stances, uh, you, you, in many cases, you have no, no uh, opportunity to challenge those uh, come election time. And what's evident here, too, is the way things are being manipulated. You pointed out the eight districts where Republican incumbents will run against each other. There's actually one where four Republicans, uh, sitting Republicans, are all uh, their homes are all in the same, di- same new district, according to one of the proposals. And so, um, you know, we believe in representative democracy, 
and the right of people to select those who represent them, not the other way around. And that's what happens. As to your point about people not caring very much, it is a sort of an abstract issue, although it affects everything that happens in the state, from spending to public safety to education to the budget. It, that, those are the things that are at, at, at risk here or at stake. Uh, but, but it's hard to get a kind of grassroots people interested because it is a relatively abstract and technical issue. It's full disclosure with David Grising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. David, we are now down to uh, crunch time in the Capitol uh, with only now uh, five days remaining of the scheduled legislative session and a lot of work still to be done. Are we getting any more indication that progress is being made on some of these key issues like the budget, ethics, et cetera? Well, um, you know, ethics is, seems like the die is cast there, and we're going to see uh, very little, if anything, uh, to take effect with ethics. Governor Pritzker, who had indicated, uh, you know, in, in a couple of different uh, state of the state addresses, uh, that he really felt something important needed to be done on ethics, now seems to be sort of saying, well, I produced a Commonwealth Edison utility regulation bill, and I've embedded some ethical considerations in there, and that ought to be enough. Um, nobody on the ethics uh, leadership of the ethics uh, uh, committees in the legislature is doing anything that is anywhere close to the recommendations that the BGA and others have made with regard to the transformation that needs to happen in Illinois in the wake of this massive public corruption investigation. Uh, as one example, uh, the talk about the revolving door, the, which allows uh, lawmakers to begin lobbying basically the day they leave office. The most we can hope for at this point, it, it would appear, is a six-month ban before lawmakers can begin lobbying. Um, that's just, that, that's woefully inadequate. That would be the lowest of any state in the country that has a ban. Uh, best practices, which we recommend, is two-year uh, uh, period during which people can't be allowed to lobby. There will be some increased disclosure requirements, but uh, that doesn't really get us very far down the road. And one of the big failings so far is that the Office of the Legislative Inspector General will continue to be uh, a, a lapdog of the legislature and not the watchdog that uh, that this legislature definitely needs. The, dem the track record of corruption and unethical behavior is evident. On the budget, um, there's a lot of work to be done and it does look as if some of that work is getting done. Uh, we're floating on uh, the benefit of higher than expected tax revenues, as well as billions of dollars coming in through COVID relief. A lot of the question has to do with where that COVID money can be spent. Uh, for example, the state was the only state in the union to borrow from the Fed during COVID, and Governor Pritzker would like to pay back uh, that $3.2 billion using COVID money, but the COVID rules don't allow him to do so. And so he's trying to lobby in Washington to get per special permission to do that. And the $1.4 billion budget deficit that the state faces, uh, there's really no plan in sight yet emerged uh, that, that will accommodate all of that. And so now uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of infighting about that, on top of which Governor Pritzker has said he wants to close nearly a billion dollars in what he calls tax loopholes. 
and in what the Republicans call tax incentives. Uh, and those uh, that that's a battle that's still brewing behind the scenes. In other words, just another typical May here in Springfield. David Greising is here with us, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. We have much more full disclosure still to come. Make sure you're checking out the BGA's website. Uh, lots of great investigative pieces digging deep into uh, things that are happening that you need to know about. It definitely has an impact on the state's bottom line and in turn your bottom line. David, the BGA has recently done a deep dive into how the pandemic has affected the bottom line of uh, companies uh, handling Medicaid uh, services here in the state of Illinois. Yes, yeah, so altogether, uh, from three companies we looked at that provide Medicare, Medicaid services in Illinois, uh, they reported a combined almost $300 million in increased profits during the height of the uh, COVID epidemic. And um, that's because uh, they these companies are paid according to how many people are covered. It's called a capitated rate. And then because of COVID restrictions, a lot of patients just didn't show up at the hospitals. So they were taking in huge revenues and at the same time not bearing the cost of actually uh, providing health care to people. And this is a windfall that the state does have the ability to claw back some of this, and there is a bill in the legislature which doesn't appear to be going anywhere to do so more or less immediately. Uh, the clawback that will happen if that bill isn't doesn't pass will take something like two years at the very least before any of those excess profits are returned to uh, taxpayers. And so it's a huge disjoint, disjoint between uh, you know, a well-intended program to try to rein in Medicaid costs, uh, but it, it has gone really gone awry in the aftermath of the COVID epidemic. So understanding this correctly, that these companies are being paid based upon the number of people enrolled, not necessarily on the services provided? Yes, and that's actually somewhat common in health insurance, the capitated rate, payment rate. Uh, and so the doctors the, the doctors and hospitals take the risk that uh, the, the patient population will have relatively normal uh, you know, needs, whereas in COVID, the needs were not normal because so many people were locked down in their houses. We saw the pictures of these emergency rooms stuffed with COVID patients, but there were a lot of other parts of these hospitals where there weren't very many patients because people were just staying at home who otherwise would have come in for doctor and hospital visits. David, only about two minutes left in another uh, pandemic-related story a hospital very much in the news for its handling of COVID vaccines. And as we talked in the past, a couple of powerful state lawmakers serving on the board of the Chicago hospital, and at least one of them seems to have made out pretty well with her involvement with that facility. Yeah, Senate Majority Leader Kim Lightford, uh, who really was a candidate for the Senate presidency, uh, has long st stayed, been on the board of Laredo Hospital, which is a hospital that has come under fire for doling out vaccines to connected people, a bunch of Trump Tower residents, and more than 200 members of the president of the hospital's church uh, back when vaccines were very, very hard to find. It turns out that Kim Lightford has, uh, as a member of that board, has taken uh, trips to the Cayman Islands for meetings that were paid for by the hospital. Uh, she's received uh, her campaign funds have received $38,000 in contributions from the hospital's key management contractor. Uh, there are some conflict of interest concerns here with regard to Kim Lightford's uh, decision to stay on the board of Loretto, even when it's under fire, and really be carrying water for that hospital in the public arena. At the same time, she's benefiting personally and politically 
from her association with this troubled hospital. Go read the full article at the BGA's website. David, how do people find it and you the rest of the week? I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And here each Wednesday morning, full disclosure on the WMAY morning news feed. David, thank you so much. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Jim. Talk then.